Grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our living and risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The word of God which we receive this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verses 1 to 15. And he also said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him, and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? So he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. So the master commended the unjust steward, because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. For I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon in order that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard these things, and they derided him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. In 1995, uh, two young students, Larry and Sergey, sat down and began working together on a new search engine. That search engine is known to you now by the name of Google. When they started working on their new algorithms, uh, the inter- they didn't invent the internet, right? It was already around. They didn't even invent the idea of a search engine. There were many out there, and some of them were quite a bit more popular uh, than Google at that time. And yet, very quickly, their search engine dominated the market, so much so that it's almost a byword now for searching the Internet. What happened that caused Google to take off so quickly? It's actually kind of a fascinating history as to what they did differently, But for our purposes this morning, let's just say that they knew how to make use of the data and to a much fuller extent and in a much better way than any of the other search engines had. They didn't create the idea of the search engine or the internet, but they made use of it fully. The history history of this world is full of examples of how the one who invents something is not necessarily the one who best benefits from it. Very often there is one who invents, but there is another who comes along and recognizes the invention's full potential 
and uses it in a much better way. This is what Jesus is speaking to us about in our parable this morning. He's calling on us to recognize and to use those gifts which he has given to us in a wise and a shrewd way to make full use of what we have, not for earthly gain or earthly treasure, but for the riches of heaven. He tells us in verse 9, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. Use earthly treasures and the gracious graciousness and mercy of our Christ, of our God, to gain heavenly treasures. Learn how to use it shrewdly and fully. Jesus introduces our parable this morning with the words, a certain rich man. That exact same phrase is used three other times in in scriptures, all three times in the Gospel of Luke, and all three times at the opening of a parable. That phrase really binds those three parables together as the Lord's catechesis, if you will, his instruction on our attitude towards money. The first of these parables we studied a little while ago, the parable of the rich fool who built the barns and thought that everything was good, but then that night his soul was required of him and he was not rich towards God. The second of these parables is the one before us this morning, the unjust steward. And the third is the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, which I was told I'm not supposed to talk about because that's Jonah's text for next week. Well, about money anyway. (coughs) The first of these parables lays out for us what our attitude towards money should be and what the problem is with it, that we we can't trust it. it. It will fail us. It can't get us into heaven. And we need to be rich towards God. The last of these, the rich man and Lazarus, shows us the evils of money and what and how we should not use it. Uh, the rich man lives a lavish lifestyle, a very sinful, lavish lifestyle by money. But this one, this one shows us how we should use money. This is the only one of the three in which Jesus is speaking to his disciples. The other two are spoken uh, to others, but this one is spoken to his disciples. And Jesus is saying in this parable, he says, look, there's lots of evil things people do with money. And it's not the money that's evil, but the, the people who use it, right? But that doesn't mean you should just throw it away and go live in a cave. Rather, instead, you should understand how to use it for what is good. How to use it for God's kingdom rather than for your own sinful lifestyle. Like Google, like Amazon, like Sears, like so many other companies, we should learn how to use it wisely to the fullest of, our, of our, its abilities and ours, but not for earthly gain, but for the kingdom of God. Solomon reminds us in the book of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 19.17, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. When you invest your money in the Lord, instead of in the things of this earth, And in the things of the Lord, the Lord promises that he will repay more than what you invested. Jesus in Luke, the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 6, verse 38, reminds us, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Jesus uses the picture there of us coming 
before the Lord with our gifts, with a, a basket, a flower or something, offering it to the Lord, and the Lord gives back to us the same basket, but now the flower is pressed down and overflowing so that He's giving back more than what we gave to Him. When we bring our money and use it for the kingdom of the Lord, we receive back not earthly treasure which fades and falls away and is destroyed, but we receive back heavenly treasure which is of far greater worth and which lasts forever. We actually have a new and wonderful opportunity to do this, to use our money, our earthly treasures, in order to invest in God's kingdom. This summer, uh, the CLC started a Christian education fund and a committee uh, the goal of which, hopefully, is to take that money and use it to help start schools or to help uh, maybe schools that are started but just need a little help temporarily in other churches uh, that can't do it themselves. What a wonderful opportunity to invest our earthly treasures and to receive back from the Lord heavenly treasures which do not fade away. And of course, you as a congregation have been doing this for many years, investing very heavily here in the school in order to use your earthly treasures in order to gain heavenly treasures. This parable <clears throat> encourages us to make wise use, use of earthly gifts that God has given to us to exchange them for heavenly gifts. That's the simplest and one of, and one of the lessons that Jesus would have learned from this parable. However, there is more going on here than that, isn't there? That, in and of itself, does not explain everything about the parable. In fact, it leaves us with many kind of odd questions. This parable is a, is a difficult one to understand. For example, why is it that the debtors go along with the steward's plan here? Why are they not afraid that the master is going to find out that they changed their bill and is going to make them pay and maybe even get angry at them? Why does the steward think that, that this is a good plan? He's already been caught once for misusing his master's goods, and now he is stealing more from his master. Why does he think that this is a, a, is a good way to go for it? Perhaps most perplexing at all, why does the master praise the steward instead of throwing him in jail and reversing the bills? The first two questions we might be able to answer somewhat by the simple <coughs> by human greed. Uh, the, the debtors went along with it because... They were hoping it would work. The steward did it because he was hoping to get away with it. I think there's more to it than that. And it certainly doesn't explain that third question. The answer to all of these questions, the answer to, to truly understanding this parable at a, at a deeper level is remembering who our Savior is, who our God is, what his name is. And that's the answer, of course, to understanding all of Scripture. We remember in the book of Exodus what God said to Moses. In Exodus 34, verse 6, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and in truth. The name of our God is gracious and merciful. The character of our God is gracious and merciful. And the master in the parable before us today is a figure of Christ. That's, that's quite plain. Therefore, he also is merciful and gracious. And it's that fact that really opens this parable to our understanding. 
You see, the steward put the master into a situation where he had two choices, didn't he? He could have reversed when he found out what the steward had done, what the steward had done. He could have called the debtors back in and said, no, you have to pay 100 measures of oil. You don't get to cut your bill down to 50. But if the master did that, the debtors would be angry with him. He would, they would not think of him as a merciful and gracious master. Or the master could leave the bills as they are and the debtors would praise him as a gracious and merciful master. Now, normally, any normal human would not let the steward get away with what he did. They would probably send the steward to jail and reverse the bill. But that's not who our Savior is. Our Savior is one who is merciful and gracious and who wants his people to know him as a God of mercy and of grace. The steward knew this. He understood the nature of his master and he used it to his advantage. He knew that his master would not reverse what he had done because he knew his master would not want to appear as stingy but would want to appear as merciful and gracious. This is what makes this parable so difficult for us to understand if we forget who Christ is. Because from a human standpoint, it's, a, it's an absurdity. We're not talking about a little bit of money here. When the steward reduces the, the bill of the one from 100 measures of oil to 50, 50 measures of oil, that's 400 gallons. 400 gallons of olive oil. Now, today you can buy 400 gallons of olive oil for two to $300, not that much. But in that day, that much oil would have been worth the equivalent of about $100,000. Some of you work at banks, right? Imagine you go into work tomorrow or whenever you go into work next and you start reducing the mortgages that people owe the bank. Start taking off $100,000 off what they owe the bank. Is the bank going to praise you and say, wow, that's a great idea. Now everyone is going to know how gracious and merciful we are. Probably not. I doubt it very much. They're probably going to fire you, maybe even throw you in jail, and reverse what you've done. The Pharisees even make fun of Jesus because the parable is so ridiculous that the master would not reverse these bills. They ridicule him because this parable seems so ridiculous to them. And from an earthly standpoint, it is ridiculous. But not to us. Not to us who know the grace and the mercy and the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Those of us who know that this is what he does. He forgives massive debts. One of the questions I ask is, well, why did the debtors go along with it? Well, presumably, it wasn't surprising to them that their master would reduce their debt by this much because they knew their master to be a merciful and gracious master. Remember when God told Moses to speak to the rock in the wilderness? And Moses, instead of speaking to the rock, he hit the rock. And God was very angry with Moses. He says, I wanted you to show the people my mercy and my grace, and instead you showed them anger. And because of that, Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land. 
In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul reminds us that the law is our tutor to bring us to Christ. God did not give us his law so that we could do what it says and thereby deserve heaven and deserve his praise through it. One of the reasons he gave us his law is so that we would understand how sinful we are and therefore understand how gracious and merciful and loving he really is. That seeing the extent of our debt to him, we would realize his love. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't do it in some hidden corner of the earth where no one knew what was going on. He was on full display so that the people would see the cost of our sin and what God had did for us and that we would praise him for his grace, for his grace and his mercy. You may have noticed that our hymns this morning, even though our sermon, even though our sermon text on the surface seems to be about money, our hymns this morning were not but we're instead about God's love for us and his grace and the, that free salvation which he gives to us because that's what our God wants to know about him and that's what the master wants his servants to know about him. This isn't really a parable about money at all, is it? It's a parable about how the steward is shrewd enough to use God's mercy. And no wonder, therefore, that Christ praises this steward. At the beginning of the parable, <clears throat> all the steward cares about is money. He's even stealing from his master. But then, his stewardship is taken away from him. He realizes he can't trust in his own money or his master's money. That money is going to fail him. And instead, he stakes everything. His whole life, he invests everything on his master's mercy. Trusting that the master is not going to reverse what he did because of his grace and his mercy. And that's exactly what Jesus wants from us, isn't it? He wants us to trust his mercy and his grace absolutely, to use his mercy and his grace to the fullest extent possible. Jesus is teaching us, yes, he's, a teach he's teaching us to use our earthly treasures, our earthly money, <clears throat> and other things to invest, invest it fully in the kingdom of God. But more importantly, is teaching us to invest his mercy, his grace, his promises fully in every aspect of our life. You know, we talked about that Christian education fund and <clears throat> what a wonderful opportunity to invest our money in that and, to, and in order to build God's kingdom. But more important than giving money, what we need is God's promises, right? And trusting in his mercy and his grace to go forward and to start schools in other places and in other congregations, trusting that God will supply what is needed and will bless that effort. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Use the promises of God. Let's talk about weapons for a second. Which weapon is more effective, a bow or a gun? Who's going to win? A soldier with a bow, especially maybe an old-time, uh, you know, long bow, or a soldier with a gun? Normally you would say, well, okay, the gun is more effective, but that's assuming that the soldier with the gun knows how to use it, right? A trained, experienced warrior with a bow is probably more effective 
than an inexperienced warrior with a gun. That's what Christ is talking about when he says the sons of this age are more shrewd than the sons of light. He's reminding us that they have bows, they have money, they have the things of this world. We have the promises of God, the sacraments, the word of God, and his grace and his mercy. God's tools, God's weapons are more effective, but not if we don't use them. The sons of this world often are shrewder with their less effective weapons than we are with the powerful ones that God has given to us. God, Jesus promises us that we can move mountains because he's given us tools and weapons that can do it. In this parable, he calls on us, he reminds us to make use of them, to use them fully in every aspect of our life. Whether we're talking about our marriage, whether we're talking about our relationships at work, whether we're talking about our family, whether we're talking about our school, whatever we're talking about, the weapons of God are more effective. The promises of God are more effective than what man has. Use them. Make use of them fully. Larry and Sergey were, were wise enough to use the data and the power of the internet to much greater effect than anyone else had before. People of this world are very shrewd, very wise in making use of the things of this world. But God has given us treasures, inventions, power far exceeding anything in this life. Most especially his promises and his mercy. Invest your your earthly money in the treasures of heaven for sure. But invest in the mercy of God. It, It will not fail you. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.